unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Now please welcome Christopher Roush. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Hello, hello. Happy Tuesday evening. It is 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place for the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Thank you guys for being here, whether it's live or on the replay or whether you're watching the video cast or listening to the podcast. We are available where podcasts are sold podcast are sold obviously guys um so wherever you get your podcast whether it's spotify iheart itunes go check it out you can simply go in and raw and inscript it with christopher roush you can find it everywhere we're on amazon i found out we're on amazon music or something like that so yes go check out the raw and inscripted show please subscribe to the podcast that would be amazing and awesome i would appreciate you guys so much for doing that what's up we got ray in the house he says good evening misfits for life if you guys are new to the show misfits for life is the name i came up with with uh for my band of gypsies the people that uh and i don't like the word follow but the people that i congregate with the people that kind of get it we're misfits of society so i say that we're misfits for life because Everybody's got to belong somewhere and I like to belong with the misfits. So that makes us unique. That's not a degrading term. That makes us unique, special, and above all kick-ass unstoppable. Yeah. Kick-ass unstoppable. Right, Ray? We never stop. We may slow down. We may park. We may, we may, we may ponder. We may regress a little bit, but we never stop. We're always in pursuit of what it is that's going to make us greater, what it is that's going to elevate our opportunities in life to really achieve the fullness and the, the complete capacity of what it is that we're here to experience while we're in human form. So please hang on to that. For those of you guys that are, that are, that are just now tuning in, you just missed an amazing nugget. So go back and watch that. Listen to that. We got Mary Sterling in the house. She says, good evening, Christopher and everyone else. Thank you, Mary Sterling for being here tonight. Of course, of course, Ray's already, Ray's already settling into his position. He's like, Hey, go check out ChristopherRoush.com. I appreciate you, buddy. Um, especially you can go find the podcast there. You can find my events page. You can see what I'm doing, whether it's uh, the Raw and Scripted show, whether it's uh, Clubhouse, whether it's the Unfiltered Experience, my other show on Friday night. Um, so yeah, yeah. You can always get me there. So thank you, Ray, for, for putting that back up, for putting that up there. We got Tim Gillette in the house. Holy shit. It's like a, it's like a reunion. It's, it's, it's a class reunion. We got Brian Wright in the house that we're going to be bringing on here in just a second. We got Tim Gillette. I was just checking out Tim Gillette's show. Tim and I have known each other for many, many, many years, as well as my guest that I'll be bringing on here tonight. So thank you, Tim, for joining us. Got to get you on the show as well. It's been a minute. Um, and, uh, and Ray's already, Ray's already filling out the, the website for our guests. So, um, anyways, one thing I wanted to mention to you guys, please, 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 if you followed the show for any amount of time, you guys know that I'm on the board of directors and I specifically support help heal humanity, www.helphealhumanity.org. Right now we're looking for a few key positions. Uh, a couple of them are board members. So if you're interested in volunteering your time with the board of directors, uh, for an amazing organization that is out to help literally heal humanity, please go to helphealhumanity.org, check it out or uh, direct message me. If you have to know of a treasurer if you happen to know of a grant writer we're in the process of, of hiring for those positions they are non-paid positions but it is truly a phenomenal organization and watch out for help heal humanity there's going to be some stuff coming out uh pretty pretty soon where we are going to really attempt to unify those individuals in this world who want to step up and really put an end to all the bullshit all the divisiveness all the name calling all the other shit and let's combine our efforts let's seek to understand then to be understand understood and let's really you know have conversations instead 
instead of the whole finger pointing stuff. So I've got some key people in different segments of the world who are passionate about this. We've got some new hashtag com campaigns coming out and it's all designed to address mental health, mental wealth, really designed for us to stop all this stuff and really start to look inward and to heal ourselves so that we can heal the world and leave it a better place for uh, who we are and what we do. So I appreciate that. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jacqueline Rose is in the house. What's up? She says, good evening, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It's great to have you guys here, whether you're live or on the replay, as always, appreciate you guys. So the gentleman that I'm going to have on the show tonight is uh, Brian Wright. And I've known Brian for many, many, many years. I believe we met back in 2013. And the thing I have to say about Brian is he has really been a committed individual to his craft, to his, to the craft of communication, to the craft of writing books, to the craft of doing a, a, a very successful podcast called Success Profiles Radio. And in accoutrement to that, he does the Success Profiles Magazine as well. But tonight we're going to be talking about how you should should be writing your book. As you guys know, I'm writing my book right now. So without any further ado, please welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show, none other than my guest tonight, Mr. Brian Wright. Brian, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the Ron and Scripted Show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's been a minute. It is. It, is. it better be good to be here. It's been a minute since we've caught up. Literally, we had like four minutes behind stage before we went live. Uh, man, it's long overdue. So thank you for being here. And, uh, right. and I look forward to this conversation tonight. Like I told you before, if we go before we go live every once in a while, I'll just be flashing comments. We got Tim Gillette in the house, like I said, um, and Ray's here commenting. He says, "Welcome, Brian." Uh, we've got some amazing people here supporting the show. So, um, you know, this is the Ron and Scripted Show. But one question that actually did pop into my mind as I was downstairs writing my book earlier this afternoon. Thank you very much. I got three thousand words in. Um, was really, you know, when I think about all the books that have been written, and somebody, uh, a buddy of mine, were talking about this the other day. We were talking about some of the classic personal development books, right? You know, the uh, cyber, cyber, psycho cybernetics, and all the different things from W. Clement Stone, and just everything is literally when you think about it has been written. So why would anybody want to write a book these days in life when everything pretty much has already been written? I think because people have their own perspective to share, only you have your story. True. And I think sometimes when we hear someone speak a truth, it may go over our heads until we hear it explained a slightly different way. It's, it's one of those, let's just think about it like this. Let's just say that Star Wars is your favorite movie. Let's just say that. And let's say that you make a commitment to watch Star Wars at least once a year. You might pick up something brand new every time you watch it that you didn't catch before. Good point. Absolutely. And you're, you're watching it from a different place of understanding. It's the same reason why people go to the same events over and over again. They'll hear a lot of information that they heard the first time, but you're at a different place in your journey. It'll hit you differently. And you might be able to apply things differently this time than you did the last couple of times. And so you're always going to grow and the experience will be different because all the same people won't necessarily be there. And sometimes I like go to, go to events, not just for the speakers, but because of who else ends up attending. Sometimes right. I meet people who become my very best friends for life. And those are people who attended rather than people who spoke. Right. No, I think that's beautiful. And I love the way you answered that, Brian, because, you know, it really truly is. I think about the things that I do and the things that I say as and my buddy uh, Jock, who's on here right now, it will agree. 
is I consider it everything that I say and I do is planting seeds. I'm not out looking to say something that people are going to have their mind necessarily blown. But my thing is like, you know, I actually told my wife about it the other day. I'm like, I'm tired of talking about the same stuff over and over again because I talk about it so much. But at the same time, I know that one time for you or one time for somebody else is going to be a different time where that seed that gets planted is going to be the one thing that they needed to hear in such a way that I said at that time, that's mm -hmm. going to cause that additional thought and cause that additional action. So I love that. And your, to your point as well, we're all unique people. So we all are going to have a unique perspective and a unique way of telling our story. Um, so I, I, I'm all with you. Actually, I believe that everybody should write a book about their life story. What are your thoughts on that? And what do you think is helpful in that process of doing that? I think everyone does have a message to share. And I think there are reasons why people don't write a book. Number one, they may think they're not very good writers or they've been told that they're not very good writers. Therefore, they disqualify themselves. Another reason people don't write their books is because they aren't sure that they have something legitimate to say and they're not sure that people will care about their message. Mm. I think that's absolutely false. In fact, I think we've all been through stuff and I think there's something that we can say. And, and when people put off writing the books, I usually tell them the person who really, really, really needs you is going to get denied your help because you're putting it off. Dude. So write your book. And then finally, the other reason why people don't write their books is because they don't have time. And so a, you'll make time for the things that are really important to you. And B, you can always hire that help out if mm. you want to. Nice, nice. I love that. You know, in thinking about um, writing and, and writing the story, and the reason why I framed it that way is that everybody should write their story. Uh, the people that know that follow the, the show, and you may have seen this in social media, I've been writing my book about the journey of my mother and myself, the homeless journey and everything else that we've been doing. I've been writing it seriously since last year. And one of the things I've had challenges with is it's one thing for me to say, hey, Brian, you know, I was homeless and, you know, I got I got uh, abused by my mom and, and, and I got my ass kicked at school. It's one thing for me to tell you that topically and kind of, you know, at a surface level. But it's another thing when you're sitting there with your hands on the keyboard and you're having to go back and revisit some of these situations that, you know, define who you are today. But having to get into the weeds with some of that stuff for me was a lot more challenging than I really thought it was going to be. But I've used yeah. the opportunity to really kind of dig into some of that stuff that I have. A different perspective on back then to really heal more myself in in my yeah. journey. What are your thoughts on that? In, in digging into some of the stuff because I know you've written some books and I know you've helped a lot of people write their books. What are your yeah. thoughts on, on digging into that stuff and the, and the therapeutic process? Oh, it is very therapeutic. In fact, uh, I recently did a book called The Greatest Lessons I Learned from My Dad, yeah. and my dad passed away almost a year ago now. I know. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. And I knew at some point I was going to write about it. I wasn't ready right away because I had to heal first and I had to process and I had to figure out what, what exactly I could do to honor my dad. Right. And finally, about six months after I said, you know what, I think, I think maybe I'm ready. But what I also wanted to do was to involve collaborators. And so I had 28 people share their short stories. And so I didn't feel the burden to write the whole book myself. Oh, I had 28 cool. other people share 750 words or less about the greatest lessons learned from their dad too. Now, the first part of the book was my story and my reason for writing the book and a few of the things that I learned. Uh, of course, I thought of things, more lessons, more things that I learned after the book <laughs> was published. I'm like, oh, I could have put that in there. Right. Someone said, well, you can do a volume two. I'm like, volume two i don't know you could do an updated I version i don't know if it's really the kind of book that you make a sequel to yeah you could do an online but you could do an online uh, addendum for for online orders or something like that and like here's maybe the, like, maybe yeah. but but i will say that 
out of this whole thing, there is a greatest lessons anthology that I am creating, a series that I am creating. Greatest lessons I learned from my mom, from my grandparents, from my teacher, from my coach, from my clients, from my dad. So that's going to be a whole series. And I have the domain for greatestlessonsbook.com. So it's that I just taken. So, <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm working on the second greatest lessons book right now. And I've got 28 people who are collaborating with me on this one too. Many of them are the same and some of them are different, but I do believe that everyone has a story to share. In fact, I do tell people, if you aren't sure you have enough for a solo book, be a part of a collaborative book project, submit a short chapter. It'll gain confidence. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I started my Facebook group, Authorpreneur Live. And I post something of value every single day relating to the topic of writing. In fact, uh, today's post I wrote about, or was either today's post or yesterday's post, I wrote about finding lessons in the adversity that you've gone through. If you've gone through something really terrible, ask yourself, what lesson can you learn from that? Now, back in 2014, and you know this story very well, I had a life-threatening illness and I paused Mm -hmm. my radio show for three months because I was physically unable to continue for a while. But I had swine flu virus and pneumonia and it was life-threatening, like I said. I remember that. And while I was laying in that hospital bed, because I had all the time in the world to think about things, there were three things that came up for me all the time. You know, the greatest lessons that I learned from that experience. Number one, uh, treasure your friends and family. Uh, number two, take nothing for granted. And number three, be aggressively thankful for everything that goes on because you never know when it's all going to end. Mm-hmm. And I found myself writing uh, magazine articles and doing Facebook lives about those three things in describing what happened to me and how I healed through that and what I got out of it. And so think about some of the stuff you've been through, some of the traumatic stuff that you've been through. What great lessons can you glean from that? Mm. And it's it's the same thing I did with, with my dad book. My dad passed away. So it gave me an opportunity to reflect upon how he really impacted my life. And it allowed me time to go back and revisit some of the funny stories that happened. And the stories that I shared were always interactions that dad and I had where I learned something. It wasn't necessarily me observing dad interacting with other people. I didn't tell those stories. I told stories specific to how it impacted uh, my growth. In fact, I'll share one very, very quick one. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, share a couple. Yeah. So some neighbors had moved uh, a couple streets down in our neighborhood and they were having a house built. Well, the house was built, the yard hadn't been planted yet. And so there were clumps of dirt all over the place. And we just thought it'd be really fun just for whatever reason to throw dirt on the roof. Well, I grabbed the biggest clump of dirt I could find and I tried heaving it onto the roof and I missed, I ended up breaking the garage door window Uh-oh. and they all pointed at me like, oh, you did this. How old are you? This. Yeah. I, I ran home. I was How old were you at the time? maybe seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. Not very old. I should have known better than to think that I could heave a giant clump of <laughs> big, like a big rock of, of dirt onto the roof. I couldn't throw it that high. I ended up breaking hey, well, it. We're kids. We believe dead. everything. We, th- we yeah. think anything's possible. So go for it. Yeah. Why not? Exactly. So I ran home and I closed my bedroom door and I laid on the floor next to my bed. And a minute or two after I closed my door, I heard the phone ring. And then I heard the big heavy steps walking toward my room. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
And oh, I hear really? a knock on the door, Brian, open up. And so I did. And he said, did you break the window with the neighbors? Now there were obviously the witnesses. I couldn't bluff my way through it. So I said, I, I, I did. He said, well, you're going to have to pay for this. I said, well, how much is it going to be? And he very wisely asked me, well, how much do you have? Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and so I reached you my 35 cents. I grabbed my Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer billfold. And yes, it was red. <laughs> I had $3. I had Star And then I had 89 cents and change sitting in the bottom of the drawer. And I said, I have $3.89. And he said, well, that's how much it is. I was devastated. Well, it was obviously much more than that, even in the 1970s. Oh, yeah. But he wanted me to feel the financial pain. So he wanted me to pay for the window. And so I did. Another story, very quickly. What did you, what, what, what did you gain out of that situation? What I gained out of that situation? Yeah, I'll tell the back. truth. Love because it. you're going to get found out. I'm a terrible liar. You will always be found out. The truth will always be revealed. So just be honest and own your mistakes. Amen, brother. Amen. I want to capture. I want. To, uh, I want you to give me another one, but I want to capture some of these comments. The yeah. beautiful people in the house tonight. Uh, let's see. Let's go back up here. Uh, thank you, Ray, for putting that up. Uh, we got Jock in the house. He says, "What up?" Jock's like he's like uh, the Scottish, you know, gang guy. Um, and uh, he says here, uh, "Hey, brother. I hope you are still. I hope you are still shining your light. Yes, we are shining lights." um actually you know, ray and ray and john were our jock we're having a conversation back and uh ray says here yes sir no holes in my bucket today yes we don't want any holes in our bucket uh mary St sterling says here great to see you again brian they're always talking they're just having their little chit chats here um john uh, jo i always have to call him jock even though it says john he says it's never been written uh with your voice and your voice has its own audience which is something we were talking about earlier again brian um uh, monica thank you so much for being here monica's here live with us she's a misfit for life definitely she says truth different perspectives um big time jacqueline says here i wish i knew what kind of books write how i wasted most of my life how i lost my brother when i was nine it traumatized me we could talk about that in a little bit because i do have that question for you and even john says here jock says he's yeah bro seeds jock you're in a you're in a weird mood tonight buddy you're like yeah bro what's up He's Scottish as the fucking day is long, dude. So it's funny when I hear him say that because I can hear him saying it in his in his uh, in his uh, his accent. He's a beautiful person. He says, "Let's all be gardeners." Yes, yes, yes. We got to be a. We got to be uh, gardeners. Uh, John says here, uh, a publisher told me that I was not a good writer, and now I am on my fifth book and written for additional magazines. Stay the fucking course and believe. So so true. No, so, so true. Um, let's see. Uh, la, 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 la. Oh, here we got M Monica says here, Jacqueline. I invited you to pause. I invite you to pause, ask what shall I write about, be open, and the answer will come. So, so true. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about creative uh, opportunities for things. Well, actually, what do you think about that, Brian? What do you think about that, that opportunity? When, when, and here's something that I do tell people, when you are wondering what to write about, sometimes the best thing you can do is ask people you trust, if I were to write a book, what would you expect me to write about? Ooh. Yeah, I would expect Jacqueline to write about being unstoppable. I mean, she, I think if I remember, she's Irish and she is freaking, she's been to hell and back and she has the roadmap to say, you know, here's what you did to buckle up. Yeah. And the answers may surprise you. And if several people gravitate to the same answer or same cluster of ideas, you might have something there. So mm -hmm. ask people if you, if I was to write a book, what would you expect it to be about? That's because a great sometimes one. we just can't get out of our own way. We can't see our own greatness. 
And sometimes, you know, when someone says, hey, you're really good at such and such, that might be another clue. Here's the probably the biggest clue of all. When people constantly ask you, how did you do that? Yeah. That's your book. Oh, that's such a great one, Brian. I appreciate that. So what kind of book would you want me to write? What kind of book, aside from a personal development book, use your creative mind. What other kind of book would you see me writing? I think, I think you could absolutely write a book about making a difference, using your platform to make a difference. Because you really do care about people a lot. And I love that about you. Just a little bit. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny is sometimes I care so much about people. And the next time I just want to punch them right in their throat and watch them die. It's pretty crazy. And I say that with all love and sincerity, but no, thank you, yeah. brother. I appreciate that. Uh, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure. So, uh, Jock is asking here, Brian, what was your greatest lesson from your dad? When you think about the writing that book and everything and in, in, in retrospect, encompassing everything, what were, what were a couple of the biggest lessons? And before you answer that, I want to give you a chance to really think about that. Something you said is very critical. And I want people to, to, to really key in on this is you know what when people sit there and tell me all the time like chris i'm so tired of going through tough times i've been through this time i've been through this time i beat cancer i beat this i've done this i did this da, 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 da. i'm so tired of it and so i tell them i'm like so when you look back on your life when did you learn the most when did you grow the most when things were easy and simple or when things were challenging and they're like begrudgingly they're like oh when they were challenging i'm like okay so tell me about a time that you went through something challenging and after that you went through another time and you were glad that you went through that challenging time because you were able to use your experiences to get through that time Oh my God, you know, and my mom died and I went through all this different stuff. Then I got cancer two years later. It taught me how to be resilient. I'm like, so if your mother hadn't gone through that, how do you think you would have handled cancer? Oh my God, I wouldn't have handled it all. Okay. So you see with me that, that the challenging times are the times that when you grow the most, right? Yeah. And when I reframe that into that perspective for people, they do really see that they don't want to go through it. I don't want to go through it again. But at the same time, we see the value in being able to see that the challenges really do bring us a lot of fruit in our life. So um, back to Jock's question, what were some of the biggest lessons that you did learn from your dad? I think my dad always wanted me to know that I could do anything I really, really wanted to. I think my challenge for a good share of my life is not knowing what I really, really wanted to do. And I bounced around jobs. And I think that frustrated my parents for a while. It frustrated me too. Of course. I, I didn't know what I really, really, really wanted to do. Uh, but I figured it out. I started my radio show not really knowing what it would evolve to, but I knew that radio was something that I was pretty good at. I could be pretty good at and uh, started interviewing people and, and interviewing people that I really admired and people that I wanted to sit at the feet at and learn from for an hour at a time. And 10 years later, I'm still doing it. That's so awesome. I, I know when we, we first got on camera and I was sitting there thinking about how long we've known each other, you have, you started that way, way back then. And you've been consistent about that. What talk to us about what it takes to have that consistency. Cause I know I get that every once in a while people think that the Ron and scripted show, like you said, I've been on the show before. I'm like, no, that was the kick-ass radio show. That was the one we did two years before starting Ron and scripted and Ron and scripted yeah. now has been going for three years now. I think talk yeah. to us about being able to stay the course through those, through those times. Well, doing my radio show is my happy hour. So I look forward to it. And I do my show on Monday on purpose because it gives me the weekend to prepare. So I can prepare on Saturday or on Sunday or on Monday if I need to, because now I don't have a J-O-B. So I, I work for myself and I've been completely independent for four and a half years now. So if I want to prepare on Monday, I can. And I've refined my preparation process to where it doesn't take me nearly as long as it used to. But I still, I still do a lot of preparation. I do a lot of research. But being consistent means picking the same time every day or every week, mm -hmm. six Eastern, every Monday. That's when I do my show. 
and I've only had to pause my show twice in 10 years. Once was when I had my life-threatening illness. I was physically unable to talk for more than a minute at a time without feeling completely physically exhausted. Wow. So I could not do my show until I was able to do that again. So I was on pause for three months. And last year I was on pause for six weeks after my dad passed. Wow. But 450 episodes and 10 years. That is crazy. And you've, you've interviewed a lot of key individuals. When I was going back through and look at your repertoire, um, yeah. I was pretty impressed with, you know, the, the caliber of people that you've spoken to. So I, I want to talk about that here in just a second. I want to stay on the book stuff for a little bit. Um, when people sit there and think about writing a book, you know, the whole process seems so arduous. It seems so like overwhelming, like, oh my God, what are some tips that you would recommend for people who are thinking about outlining a book? What are some strategies that you use? I have a couple that I used as well. Um, talk to us about strategies for, to get people just to, in the mindset of like, okay, I've got an idea. I've got a little bit of a framework, but what, what, what uh, do you recommend? Like as far as software goes as well, because I use Scrivener. So you could talk about that. What are some ideas that you use uh, that you suggest to people? When I wrote my first book, it was a student leadership book. And I wanted to use that as a way to speak at schools. And so one day I was sitting outside on the patio with my legal pad and I wrote a question at the top. What makes an excellent leader? My goal was to come up with 21 answers to that question. And each of those answers would become short chapters. Yeah. I came up with 30 and as I started writing, I realized those 30 began to merge into 21 because some of the ideas were pretty close together right. and I couldn't really separate them anymore. I ended up with 21 and my book ended up being about 96 pages, not a big, huge book, but it was yeah. enough. And I don't believe in fluffing things around. I say what you got to say and be done. Respect mm -hmm. people's time. Yeah. I love, I honestly, I love my, my book about my mom's not going to be like that, but I love, small books like this that you can literally sit down for a couple of two, three hours at the most and kind of walk away like, bam, I got it. It's still something thick that takes, at least for me, it takes a long time to right. read. Um, right. So I like the idea of that, so those small books. Right. So ask your global question and come up with as many answers to that global question as possible. And those answers can be chapters. Something else you can do is let's say that you're in real estate and let's just say that you work with either buyers or sellers, whichever it is. You do this all the time, but the people you're working with are doing this maybe for the first time. So think about all the questions that you tend to get about buying or selling a house. Mm -hmm. The answers to those questions could be short chapters as well. Now, I also tell people to repurpose content that you've already used or have already created. Yeah. In fact, I did an explainer video recently and my VA came up, you know, did, did, I did the audio and she did a couple versions of an explainer video, the seven top things you can do to find content for your book. And so, I mean, I'll just talk about a couple of them here. Uh, if you have a Facebook group, if you run a Facebook group and you are struggling for content about your topic, I mean, you have some ideas, but not a ton of ideas, ask your group for their stories. I coached a client uh, about how she was writing her book about how to overcome and how, how to be resilient and, and just scenarios which require resilience. And she had some stories, but she was concerned that she didn't have enough to fill out an entire book. And then she mentioned that she runs two Facebook groups. I said, here's your answer. Ask those groups to share their overcoming and resilience stories. And many of these groups had women in them and they shared their divorce stories. They shared their abuse stories and all the losing their job stories. 
but she had 25 stories that she included in her book based on content and feedback from other people. And that gave her ideas about the things that she could also then share too. So tap into your network for content. That is a good way to find content for your book. I have one client and we're just about done. She did a series of Facebook lives around a single topic. And those we are converting into a book. And we're probably on the two yard line in terms of getting that one done. I'm waiting for one more thing from my client. And then my VA is going to add that to the book. And then we're going on Amazon. It'll be sometime this month. I have another client coming back to real estate again. She does a real estate podcast. We used 20 episodes of her show to create 20 chapters for her book. And so we're working on that. And so she's repurposing podcast episodes because every show, every episode of that show was about a different topic within real estate. So we're doing that. Sometimes you may have created a course. Another one of my clients created an online course and we converted that into a book. And where he used the book to then steer people back to his course again. In fact, Book Authority has named his book the number one LinkedIn book of all time. Wow. Now, as a ghostwriter, I remain anonymous, but he did give me credit in the acknowledgments for helping him in his journey. So that was cool. Oh, nice. So look to content you've already created. If you think you're starting with a blank slate, maybe you're really not. Mm-hmm. So true. It's so true. Um, thank you for sharing that. I want to grab some of these comments and then I've got another question yeah. for you. Um, let's see. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I want to make sure we skip the, the hellos and whatnot. Uh, Monica says, yay. Shout out for multi-author books. Hey, y'all check out Aspire Women Finding Their Purpose on Amazon. Uh, the proceeds go to charity. We become an, we became an international best-selling authors with a fabulous book. Uh, awesome, Monica. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, Ray says here, we have talked about collaborations to start. My question is when you get stuck. Okay. That's a great question, Ray. So what do you talk about writer's block and, and getting stuck in, in the process? What are some ideas for, for getting unstuck? Sometimes what I told my students when I was teaching English composition in college, if you feel stuck, do a free writing exercise, grab pen and paper. There's something very magical about grabbing pen and paper and putting pen to paper and just write for five or 10 minutes without censoring yourself. Do not sense yourself. Just write down whatever comes to my mind. Even if it's, I can't think of something to write. I can't think of something to write. I can't think of something to write. And after five or 10 minutes, review what you've written. Because chances are the things that came to your mind are things that you were directly thinking about right now. And now you're just aware because now you are paying attention to your thoughts and writing down exactly what you're thinking. There might be something salvageable there. If there's not, try it again. Sometimes though, the answer is to walk away from it and not come back to it for a couple of days. Yeah. There's one client that I was working with. The book was basically done and I wrote the intro last, which might sound kind of weird, but no, the book that's was smart. done. So the book was done. So now I knew how to set it up because I already knew what the book said. Exactly. There was one day, it was on a Tuesday. I remember this very, very well. I wrote about a hundred words and then I got stuck. I just felt utterly powerless. And so I moved on to something else. And three days later on Friday, I came back and it just flowed. I'm like, where was this three days ago? <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was brilliant, but it took time. I had to allow myself time to get away from it for three days. And then I came back to it. So sometimes you just have to walk away from it and come back to it with a fresh set of eyes. 
Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's a great answer. Um, John says here, uh, he says, Chris, your book, how the teacher became the student and then the guide. Well, that how the teacher became the student and then the guide. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Ray says fire jock. So I guess I guess Ray likes it. Um, Sandy says here, I have too many ideas. That's where I struggle. What are some uh, thoughts on that one? If you have too many ideas, you might be trying to write more than one book at, the, at a time. Oh, yeah. I had a client once who wanted me to help him write four different books. And he called me one morning at eight o'clock while I was driving down the street. And he said, I'm just overwhelmed. And I let him talk for a while. And I said, is it possible that you're trying to write all four of your books at once? And he said, uh, maybe. I said, so here's what you do. Grab four different notepads or four different sheets of paper, however you want to do it. Write the title of each book at the top of each individual page. And when you get an idea, critically analyze which book that belongs to. If it's not your current book, write down enough that you won't forget it and then just leave it alone and focus on your current book. So if you've got too many ideas, chances are you've got more than one book in your head and that's fine. So pick one strategically that you should write first. Sometimes your first book isn't going to be your life story. Maybe your first book, if you've got a business, maybe your first book is going to be something related to your business, maybe a lead generation kind of thing for your business. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Um, One thing I wanted to bring up, I totally forgot about this when you were talking. Um, I bought these books. I think I bought them. We're going to buy them at a dollar store or something like that. This one's called the story of your life. The story is in you. And what's cool about this is I, I bought it just for the kicks. I mean, it was like super cheap, but, um, in the, in the, the first page, it says, uh, make a, make a basic timeline of your life, list the years of your increments, uh, and write one short sentence that describes a major event that happened in each year, fill in any major events and gaps. So it's got like from one to five years old, six to 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a book of all sorts of different writing prompts. What, uh, what did you want to change about your home life and why? Um, the first time I drove a car, um, the first time I did something illegal, top 10 time, top 10 things that motivate you and got you excited. So there's this one. Then there's this other one called the 300 writing prompts, which is along the same thing. I've never written in any things, but I thought, you know, when I was having challenges, like coming up with content for blogs and stuff like that, um, I would just be, I would just grab this thing and it says, write about your first childhood home and your first apartment or house that you own. So yeah. it's all sorts of different writing prompts. So I dig these yeah. things if I'm ever, if I'm ever stuck. Yeah, those are really great ideas, especially for short form things like a blog post or a Facebook post or something like that. Because here's the thing, if you write a blog, for example, you might have enough blog entries if it's around a single topic to eventually have something. I interviewed Jeffrey Gittimer for my 100th episode of my radio show several years ago. And I said, when did you decide to write a book? He said, I never decided. I just wrote a blog about all the stupid things that salespeople do. And after 100 entries, I realized I have a book. I love it. I love it. Um, look what we got here. We got, uh, we got from coming over from YouTube. We got the Gabe Leal experience. Thank you so much for being here. Um, they have a question that says, so how can you start becoming a ghostwriter? There are things I want to write, but I don't want to publish as my own content. Great question. Thank you. So here's what I did. I, I decided that I could be a ghostwriter because I had already written a book and I had already taught in a two-year business college. I taught English composition. So I already knew I could do it. If I could do it for myself, I could do it for someone else. And so I just started declaring, this is what I do. I do this. I had no portfolio. 
But a friend of mine wanted to write a book and he wanted me to be his coach. He says, Brian, I know that you don't have a portfolio and I don't have money. So do it pro bono and I'll give you a brilliant testimonial when we're done. I'm like, I'll do that. Sometimes you have to be willing to do your first one for free or almost free sure. or oh, yeah. exchange for something. You can't obviously make a living doing that, but sometimes people will ask you for samples of your work. Thank God I had that testimonial first. And thank God that some of my early clients did not ask me for samples of my work. I could have sent them my book, <laughs> which, you know, which would have been fine because I did have one book, my student leadership book at the time. But yeah, after I had a portfolio, only then were people started to ask me for samples of my work. I'm like, thank you, God, <laughs> for letting that question hang out for a while before it came up. But I just started declaring. I mean, I, I my advantage was I had written a book already, so I had something to fall back on and I had taught other people how to write so that I could fall back on. But I just started declaring to the universe, I do this. It took a while for me to get my first client. It was several months of me telling people, I do this. I do this. Right. So here's the thing. Write something valuable about writing every single day. You know, post on Facebook something relating to writing. And if people start seeing you post about a topic often enough, they will automatically assume, oh, he must be the expert in this. Yes. He must be an expert in this. So just start writing every single day about the topic of writing. I love it. I love it. Thank you, brother. Um, hope you got, I hope that answers your question. If not, let us know again. Uh, what we'd like, what you'd like, like, like from us guys. Uh, Ray says here, amazing input, Brian. Thank you. Uh, Sandy also says here, thank you, Brian. Great advice. Thank you. Uh, Jock says here, my first book was not the book I wanted to write. Um, uh, and then he went back and wrote it. Actually, I just got his, his, his other book. I'm reading two of Jock's books right now at the same time. I have one eye on one book and one eye on the other book. I'm just kidding. Uh, Monica says you're super helpful, Brian. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. We got Darlene in the house. Thank you, Darlene, for for tuning in from uh, East Coast. Appreciate you. Um, Jacqueline says here, this is one of my questions, actually. She says, how do you get on the bestsellers list? Uh, my buddy, Walt McKinley, you may have seen some of his social media posts. He went through all the rigmarole to get on the bestsellers list for Amazon and whatnot. Um, talk to us about that. I have mixed feelings about that process and everything about that. So what are, yeah. what are some of the components, uh, engaged with that, uh, with that idea? I think, I, I think the bestseller lists do have a bad rap because there are people out there who teach about how to game the system. Yep. I do say pick niche categories. Now caveat to that is in order to serve your potential reader, pick categories that actually do relate to your book. If your book is about overcoming breast cancer and one of your categories is underwater basket weaving, that doesn't help the person that actually is looking for a breast cancer book. Right. Right. But there are people I've seen bestseller books on Amazon. I look at their categories. I'm like, this has nothing to do with the book. So there is an integrity issue there, mm -hmm. but there is a way though. I mean, you can, you can look at the books in your niche that are currently on the bestseller list, look and see what categories they picked. Mm, good idea. Right. Why reinvent the wheel? If somebody got to number one in a category, what are those categories? Look at the top 10. Did they all make it in the same category or did they pick different categories? Did they pick categories that appear to have something to do with their book? And here's another ninja ninja tip. 
when you're asking people to buy your book, ask them to buy it on the same day because Amazon sees that a bunch of people bought your book and you get ranked and the, the rankings change every hour, every couple hours or whatever. And the algorithm will move your book up in the rankings based on how many people are buying your books in, that day. But another ninja tip is ask people to buy more than one. Yeah. And give them as gifts. It's a great idea. Yeah. Mm. I've got friends who will routinely buy 10 copies of my book every time I release one. I've got great friends, y'all. Yeah, I mean that's that's the best way. I've I've seen I've seen my buddy Walt go through it and he's doing above board and everything. So I mean everything was was going to to plan. It's just I mean I sit there and I think about the people who told me they've had a best selling book. I've never verified if they had a best selling book. So part of me is just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually gonna do that with my book. I'm sure it'll be a bestseller, but at the same time. One of my coaches told me, like, why don't you start calling yourself the world famous no excuses coach? I'm like, huh? Like, nobody's gonna go, you know, once you own a title, nobody's necessarily gonna go back and double check that. For me, it would be an integrity issue. I'd want to be able yeah. to say wholeheartedly I'm a bestseller. But um, right. yeah, I've been mixed because I've seen people game the system and I've seen books that uh were on the best sell the bestseller list, and I'll keep a note of it and I'll go back and check in four weeks and they have three reviews, and I'm like, okay, you only have three reviews and you've you supposedly made it to that to that um mm -hmm. that spot um and thinking about uh let's actually catch uh jock's uh comment here he's in that business personally i believe bestseller lists should be extended to external to amazon and also be recognized by publishing authorities i.e publishers weekly um what are your thoughts on that well there's a time and a place for it and i i, I mean some people i mean if you think about this if you're if you're asking people where should i buy a book online 99% of the time, the answer is going to be Amazon. So it is recognized. I think there are people though, that do understand that you can game the system a little bit. I think there's legitimacy. If you can say you're a New York times bestseller or USA mm. today, bestseller or wall street journal, bestseller, Oprah. <laughs> yeah. yeah an Oprah. I mean, you have to sell thousands of copies in a week in the same week in order for that to happen. And the money that it requires to generate that kind of a marketing campaign can be pretty extensive. What's so extensive? Amazon is the talking thousands rate. or millions? Uh, probably thousands. To get yeah, on New York Times bestseller? New York Times bestseller, yeah. Probably oh, yeah. probably more. And you would probably have to get on a bunch of national media shows all at once. I mean, think about this. When no, you thanks. see people on the talk shows, when do you see them? When they have something to promote. Mm -hmm. They're not doing it for shiggles. They're doing it because they have a reason, agenda. You know, when Tom Cruise is promoting his latest movie, you see him everywhere for about two weeks, and then you don't see him again until he's ready to promote another movie. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. So um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Jock, Jock says here, uh, NYT three thousand in the first week. Woo! That's like yeah. I got some work to do. I got some work to do. Yeah. Honestly, all that stuff, all that stuff seems like a whole lot of stress. Yeah. But um, you know, something that that occurred to me when I was thinking about this is back in the day, I was thinking about old times and and thinking about you and I, and I was thinking like back in the old days when we have an, we had an idea, what do we do? We wrote it down on a piece of paper, we put it in an envelope, and we mailed it to ourselves. And as long as it was sealed, that was a protected idea. Yeah. In this day and age, what are some of the things that people need to consider? Because I know I've had people tell me like, oh my god, I've got the greatest book idea, but I'm afraid that you know once I say it, then it's going to be somebody's going to duplicate it, and they're going to come up, they're going to put the idea out there faster. What are some ways we, we can actually look at the different aspects like copyright versus trademark versus intellectual property? talk to us about some of those legalities and that people should really focus and key in on if they've got something that seems like a unique idea 
consult with an intellectual property attorney. That's a good point. Because I am not that person. What have you seen in your, in your, in your travels and the things that you've heard from other people, you know, things to watch out for? Yeah. Well, I think there are going to be an infinite number of books on any given topic. Oh yeah. So it's your spin. So, I mean, people can't steal your stories, right? And if they do, it's not going to ring true. Right. When I, so I think about, so I think about for a while, I was on this whole thing. Like I had the kick-ass guide to life. I had the blue collar guide to life. I had the rock and roll guide to life. So much like the chicken soup for the soul, I was going to do these guide to life, different books with different uh, connotations, like the cookbook guide to life. It was all about cooking and, and the guide to life and how to live and using analogies and stuff like that. So if I had that idea in my brain, what are some ways that I could go about protecting that? Obviously I would, would I trademark it or would I have to like write, you know, do you know anything about those, those particular aspects? I, I don't know a lot okay. about that. I would just say consult with an intellectual property attorney. And I know somebody, uh, that I could refer people to. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. That. That's a, that's definitely something to consider. Another question that I had people asking me as I was preparing for this, um, is yeah. publishing going through a publish. Oh, go ahead. And, and if, if I can add this, I did, no, no, your time's up. I did a, I did a seminar called Authorpreneur Live and that's where my Facebook group name came from. But the third iteration of Authorpreneur Live, I did have a property, uh, intellectual property attorney speak during one of my sessions. Um, authorpreneurlive.com. I'm not selling, but the recordings are available for $47. If you want to check it out, there's 12 sessions. You get 12 hours of content, basically all around the idea of writing, marketing, publishing, all that. Cool. So it's there authorpreneurlive.com. But one of the sessions is about that. If you want to hear Tom Latigard talk about all these kinds of things, that's a great place to go. And he's on Facebook too. Tell him, uh, tell him I sent you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, yeah. No, 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 that, that was good. That was good. I can't remember what I was going to talk about though. Uh, <laughs> my brain, my, my brain just went, uh, uh, out of left field. I told you this raw and unscripted. So I'm coming up with the questions as I'm thinking about them. Um, uh, oh, oh, that's what it was. Um, publishing versus self-publishing. I know that back in the day, you know, the desire was everybody had to get a publisher and oh, I'm going to get a publisher. But for me, I actually think that self-publishing is probably a better route to go for myself. I figure that eventually, yeah. perhaps after a few books, I may get picked up by a publisher and they'll want to republish yeah. my books and stuff like that. What are your right. thoughts on both of those directions? I've done both. So if you are self-publishing, you have complete and total creative control over your ideas and how your book turns out and you get it to market a lot faster. The thing about having a publisher is they promise distribution because they have relationships with buyers. Now, the, the drawback to that is you might have to wait six extra months or longer for your book to come out because very much like the fashion industry, buy, book buyers are looking for what they want to put on their shelves six months from now. Right. So they're buying like far ahead and bookshelf space is kind of limited. So, I mean, this book, my first conversations with High Achievers book was published by Morgan James and I was in Barnes Noble all over the place and I did bookstore signings. I did probably 15 bookstore signings. Ooh, in how the exciting. Area. Oh, that was fun. Bookstore signings are fun. And then I ended up doing volume two and, and I picked a different small publisher for that. But uh, greatest lessons I learned from my dad was totally self-published. But the thing about this book uh they they had some input as to what the cover was going to look like and what the title was going to be so i had to give up what i was married to in order 
for them to do their magic. And so you have to defer. Now, here's the other thing too. Even if you do go with a publisher, it is your job to market your book. It is your job to sell the book. They only promise distribution channels. They'll say, you know, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Changing Hands Bookstore, whatever the deal is. But just know this. I mean, Barnes and Noble is the big elephant in the room and Amazon is the big elephant in the room. That's it. And if your book is in bookstores and it stops selling, the bookstores will return those and those pre-sales get charged back to yep. you. So it's not all glamorous. It's fun. It was really great to be in Barnes and Noble and I have pictures and I can say forever that I am a Barnes and Noble author, but uh, your book has to keep selling or that precious bookstore space, that bookshelf space is going to go to somebody else. Mm. Did that happen to you in that particular situation? Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are probably still a couple books where, where a couple bookstores where, you know, a few where this book is still available, but it's not in as many stores as it used to be. Now, here's the thing. If people start requesting the book again, they might order some. And when I did my Barnes, my um, Barnes Noble uh, bookstore signings, the manager of the store would order, you know, however many copies and they would keep the ones that didn't sell for a while just to see if they would sell because they promote it too. the, you know, Barnes and Noble locations will promote to their list, to their followers. Hey, we have such and such an author coming in this Saturday from noon to four, noon to three, whatever. And uh, they might order 15 or 20 copies. And if I sell 10 or 12 of them, they might keep the rest of them around for a while. But if they figure out after a few months, if they still have the same number of books left, they'll just send them back and get mm. their credit back. And then the publisher charges me back. And then you have a garage full of books. Yeah. <laughs> so what well, happens in that situation? If, if you want, can you, are you able to in the contract? Cause that's another question we could go into, but that would take too long. Um, do you have the opportunity to, to have your own books and to sell them on your own? Or do they have to go through oh, yeah. the publisher at that point? Oh yeah. In fact, with Morgan James, and I don't know if other publishers work like this or not, they require you to buy a certain number of copies of your own book. Huh. Because what if your book doesn't sell? This is how they get their money back is by requiring you to buy X number of copies of your own book. Whenever, not all up front, but just whenever, but you're bound to buy. I, I still have not bought all of the copies I'm required to buy from my publisher yet. And it's been Whoa. almost four years. I still have to buy six more, 600 more copies of my book. Which wow. I will, which how many I did they, how many did you have to buy altogether? I had to buy 1500, but I negotiated, I negotiated that they wanted me to buy more. And I'm like, uh, no. Wow. So in hindsight, oh. would you do it? Would you do a publisher again for that book? Or would you just self publish? I would just self publish. That's now if, if somebody came along and offered me a huge advance. That's an experience I'd like to have. <laughs> I know, huh? That's, that's what I've heard. I've had a lot of my friends, you know, go through the publishing or non publishing route. And the thing that I've gained for myself is, you know, the creative control I've had. Uh, my buddy went through Hay House. He had a couple of books written through Hay House and he told me confidentially, I won't say his name, but he told me confidentially, he goes, this is fucking miserable. He goes, yeah. the, 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 the hairs there splitting and the things they want me to say. And this, I'm like, Oh my God. But once you sign on that dotted line and you get that advance, 
what they want and what their what their suggestions are you know usually is what you have to go with and uh mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't see that i see myself i see myself self-publishing I have a few people interested in this book, the, the book I'm writing about my mom and my myself, but I see self-publishing that I see down the road where there's an opportunity where they'll buy those and, and then probably, you know, uh, distri distribute them right. then or something like that. But I'm not even right. worried about that. And publishers <laughs> won't take everybody who inquires because their agenda is, can we sell this? Yeah. Will we make our money back? Because they have to put in time, money and resources into getting your book put together and of course the distribution and and it, it's it's a crapshoot you know how many copies will barnes and noble buy nationwide how many copies will books a million buy nationwide they're just guessing and if they sell out their allotment they'll buy more and if they bought too many they'll return the ones that didn't sell it's a guessing game it really is it is before I before I ask people where they can get a hold of you and I take some of these comments, what are your thoughts on taking your book? I, this one, this is the one I've done that I have not published. You get a little ISBN. What are your ideas about going and putting this on the the, the shelf, putting a couple on the shelf at Barnes and Noble? It's got the ISB number. Somebody sees it and they like it and they go up to the cash register and they scan it and it's like, oh, it's not in our system. Ah, well, reverse probably, shoplifting. You know who I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that, but I know people who have done that. Oh, really? They actually did yeah. it? Yeah. In fact, I've been in Barnes and Noble and I've seen books that I think probably were done like that. It's like, oh, hmm. But uh, it, it's an interesting idea. It's yeah. worth it's worth trying. See what happens. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a bunch of extra copies and it didn't cost you very much to get it printed, why not? Yeah. Sure. Try it. Yeah. Might be. I don't know if there's any legal ramifications of that. I would hate to have that happen. But uh, yeah, yeah, when I, I was don't... thinking, about, I was thinking about who we know and 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 that 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 marketing trick that he used to tell us about. I was like, I wonder what what Brian, what uh, Brian thinks about that. So yeah, yeah. I've not I've not done it. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't do it either. But I was just I was I thought it'd be kind of fun to see what your thoughts were on that. It John was. says, "Hey, house sucks big time." Um, yeah, I could I could we could probably talk offline about that, John. I actually know. Yeah, I won't even say that. Um, I won't even say that. I keep I keep anonymity because I usually forget who it is. I don't remember who it is, but I know I know something. Um, John says here, new authors don't realize upfront payments have to be repaid. Yes, yes, yes. No, thank you. Uh, he also says here, or sign them, uh, or sign them all so they can't send them back. LOL, ninja tip. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is that is crazy. Uh, Robert says here, uh, you are a spectacular person too, Brian, in my opinion. Well, thank um, you. So love that. So, man, we've already been talking for nearly an hour. Uh, where can people get a hold of you to continue this conversation? Because I'm sure uh, there's going to be many more questions. A lot of people watch it on replay as well. So, where can people get a hold of you to uh, to kind of get more about Brian? Yeah, BrianKWright.com. You can see my name spelled on the screen. There it is. BrianKWright.com is my website. You can learn all about me there. There's also another site called writeabookforyou.com. Spell all the words out, writeabookforyou, F-O-R, writeabookforyou.com. You can find out what I do. There's testimonials from happy, happy clients. There's a segment from The List. I was on the nationally syndicated show, The List, Ooh. where I talk about three things you can do to get started writing your book. And there's a link to my calendar at the very bottom of the page. So writeabookforyou.com writeabookforyou.com also they can get you a hold of you on email yeah. b right cyclone az at aol.com 
Mm-hmm. Right. So for you guys listening, that's B W R I G H T C Y C L O N as a Nancy E A Z as in zebra at AOL.com. Yep. If I was in the military, I go Victor Bravo, Shanker, whatever the stuff that all the military people say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course they can get, they can go check out. Uh, we didn't even get a chance to talk about this uh, success profiles magazine as well. So yeah. they can get a hold of you. So people can subscribe to Success Profiles Magazine. It's a digital magazine that comes out every single month. I've got people who subscribe monthly. I've got people who subscribe annually. And I've got people who pay one time and never pay again. Oh, nice, nice. And so talk about some of the people you, you featured in that magazine. Uh, Kevin Harrington was my very first one. And that was a really fun experience because I had purchased the domain for Success Profiles Magazine a couple of years before I actually did anything with it. And when I was paying for it for the third year, I realized, oh, Brian, you keep talking about this and you haven't done it. It's not you should. It's now you must. Yeah. So I didn't want to be that guy who always talked about it and never did it. So I went back through my archives and thought, well, gosh, who would be a really great first cover? Well, I'd interviewed Kevin Harrington six months prior. And so I emailed him and I said, Kevin, thanks again for being on my show a few months ago. I've got a new thing that I'm doing now called Success Profiles Magazine. It's an offshoot of my show. I will just carry material from the original interview that we already did. I don't need any extra time from you. Big clue there. If you want to work with someone high high up, make it easy, easy, easy. Don't demand more time. Don't demand them to do a bunch of stuff. We've already done the interview. I'll just use part of that. All I just want are really great photos. And 90 minutes later, he emailed me back and said, I'm in. And so I got a bunch of people who wanted to contribute articles. And some of those people are still with me now over four years later. And I got a few printed. I went to an event that I knew he was speaking at. He was the keynote speaker at an event in LA first weekend in December, 2017. So I took a bunch of copies there and before the event, I saw him in the hallway. I said, Kevin, he's like, Brian, we recognize each other instantly. I knew who he was, but right. he'd seen my picture. So that's how he recognized me. I said, I have something for you. He's like, what's that? And I showed him the magazine. I said, ooh, he's like, I love the cover. I said, I know you do. I'm sure you do. Thank you. And he said, part of my, is this a digital magazine where people just can subscribe online and you could print a few of these out for events like this? I said, yeah, exactly. He says, well, part of my, presentations about digital marketing is it okay if i hold a copy of this for the audience while i'm talking <coughs> that would be great yes I, I think so yeah 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 can i come up on stage take a picture with it yeah yeah <laughs> so actually somebody the photographer at the event did take a picture of him holding it up and kevin harrington's instagram account posted a picture i was not on instagram yet so he couldn't tag me oh no yeah oh but I did save that picture and I posted it on Facebook and the photographer also snapped a picture of him shaking me hand, my hand and giving me a high five before he talked. And I did not know for two weeks that that picture had been taken. It's one of my favorite oh. pictures. In fact, um, it's my Twitter cover photo. That is awesome. That is awesome, man. I have so much respect for you. I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done. You've stayed the course. You've been committed. You've been consistent. You're passionate about getting the message out there. So brother, huge respect to you. Thank you for being on the Ron and Scripted Show. I'm going to place you backstage here for a second. I'm going to finish out the show. Don't go anywhere because I still want to chat with you for a second. But thank you, brother, for being here. Connect with Brian, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. 
So there you have it, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just under an hour. I try to keep these things under an hour. Uh, I am passionate about the subject matter and I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Mary says here, she goes, thank you for the golden nuggets, Brian. Good evening, all. Uh, my buddy Scott jumped in the house. What's up, Scott? Thank you so much for being here, brother. Safe travels and everything you got going on. Uh, Mary says here, if not now, then when? Of course, I love that. It's so beautiful, guys. Time is going by. So please, please, if you got a book in you, you want a book, go write it. Uh, Ray, you're welcome. Ray says here, thank you, Brian, Chris, and family. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, Jock says here, outstanding interview. Great subject. I am passionate about too. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jock, for being here. And uh, my message to you guys really is just take from this conversation as always. What is it that you can do? Have you been thinking about writing a book? Have you got a bunch of ideas in your brain? More importantly, have you thought about writing your story? getting into the nuts and bolts and the weeds of the things that you've been through, the, the challenges that you've overcome and the lessons that you've learned. Take what Brian has shared tonight. There's so many different aspects of what you can do to get your content, to get content, you know, whether it's your blog post, you know, if you have a podcast, different things that you put together, courses or whatnot, think about what you can do with that and, and put pen to paper, put keys to the keystroke and create that book for yourself, you know, create a legacy because I know for me in writing this book about my mother and I and the journey that we went on for her entire life, if nothing else, I know that's going to be a great representation for my son to really know what my life story was and is. And I think it's a powerful way for us to be able to share our message in such a way that we can impact other people. Like Brian said, you have a unique voice. You have a unique story. You have a unique opportunity that somebody out there needs to hear your message, not Chris's message, not Brian's message, not Jock's messages, not anybody else's message. They need to hear your message. And that's something that I've seen time and time again when people release books. Um, somebody bought me a book, uh, gifted me a book uh, three or four months ago called Inner Peace. I think it was called Inner Peace or Inner Freedom or something like that. Sorry, it's not here in front of me. Um, and, you know, I sat there and I have all these other books. I literally have probably have 20 books that I have not read. I have probably 20 or 25 Kindle books that I have not read. I have Audible books I have not read. So I'm constantly buying books, getting gifted books. And when I took the opportunity to read that book, man, it impacted me. So that book came at a time where literally I could have read, I read the cover and I'm like, okay, I, I probably have a dozen of these books, but I just sat down and started reading the first couple of pages as I normally do to kind of get a flavor of what it is. And I read the whole book and it moved me in so many different ways. So Think about what it is that you got going on. Connect with Brian. You know, there's a thing about moving yourself forward in life, ladies and gentlemen. You can sit there and hope, wish, and pray. You can think about it. You could want to do it. You could put it on the someday calendar. But when you have experts in front of you, take the time to at the very least have a conversation with them. You will walk away perhaps with some bullet points and things that you can do in your in your own journey to get started at least. You may not be able to afford it right now, but what you can do is get a lot of the stuff done and then commit to yourself what it is that you're going to do differently in order to come up with those funds to be able to move to the next stop, move to the next step. And I find so many people lately, they're, they're like, well, I know the information's out there, so I'm going to go Google it and I'm going to do it on my own. And, and if I need you, I'll, I'll, I'll get you. You're just wasting time. You're just wasting time, ladies and gentlemen. You know, um, this life is right now. The lessons that you can learn are right now. The investments that you can make right now, the sacrifices, and I know sacrifices are a tough word for people to hang on to, but there's so much other shit that you're out there buying. I mean, I, I catch people buying a new phone every three years. That's a lot of money, ladies and gentlemen. People are buying, I need a bigger TV. I'm like, how much more bigger of a TV do you need? But what else do you need for your life? What else do you need for your personal growth? What else do you need for the impact that you're going to make here in the world? And most of all, what it is that you need to take care of yourself? First and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, you got to take care of yourself. That's where it starts by loving on yourself, by taking opportunities for yourself and pursuing the things that bring you joy. I asked somebody the other day, I know, I know they were going through tough times. And I said, just, just tell me the things in your life that you think that you have to do that don't bring you joy. 
And they rattled off all these different things. And I felt so bad for them. And I felt so miserable for them. But at the same time, I said, what type of person would you be? How would you feel? And what would you get accomplished if you did not do those things that you were tolerating? And they looked back at me on a Zoom call and they were like, I can't even fathom the answer to that question because I'm so buried in everything else. And I simply asked them, I said, how's that working out for you? If you died tomorrow, would you be glad for the decisions you made recently? Would you be glad that you took all this time and that you were playing the someday game? Or would is now the time for you to execute? Is now the time for you to pull the trigger on your goals, your health, your happiness? This is your life, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody else's. It's yours. There, I'm your coach. I love you guys. Um, let me see if we have any other quick questions or quick things that came up here. Um, John, uh, Robert says here, Robert says, thank you, Brian. Christopher, Ken Walls is live with, blah, blah, blah. okay. Um, <laughs> Monica says, yes, self-care is not selfish, but vital and necessary. Yes, 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 yes. So if there's anything that I can do for you guys in your journey, please, please reach out to me. If you guys haven't done a complimentary coaching session with me, hit me up. I'll send you the link. We'll do that. It's my gift to you for being a part of this show, for being a misfit for life, for supporting everything that Christopher Roush does, the no excuses coach. It's my gift to you. Let's work together. Let's make things happen. All right. I love you guys. We'll be back here next Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Put it in your calendar. It's always going to be a great show, a great conversation designed to move you forward in your life to become truly unstoppable. I love you guys. See you next.